This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, July 23rd, and a mere seven months after it began, the 2020-21 NBA season is officially over. This is our first episode since the Bucks won the title on Tuesday, and today we'll be looking at the Bucks and the Suns from a fantasy perspective as we spin things forward toward next season. Plus some other off-season news on Clay Thompson and others. All of that and more coming up in just a second. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Raphael Johnson. Raph, are you ready for the off-season, however short it may be? Do we know how many weeks this off-season is yet? Do we have a number? Yeah, that's a good question. I think about 11, maybe 12 weeks, and that yeah. might be pushing it because I think they start camping mid-September, so I'm not Man. mistaken. It's, it's just wild. It's the late September, yeah. So mm-hmm. we're going to have, we have the Olympics in there, we have the draft in there, we have free agency in there, all of that is going to happen, and then suddenly we're going to just be a few weeks away from training camp. Yeah, exactly. Trying to go back to the usual calendar. We should probably retire the word off season for at least one year. We need a new term for whatever this is this year. Yeah. Well, I don't really know what term that would be. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna workshop it. We're gonna brainstorm it. But let's get into right. the the task at hand today. We just wanted to, as we always do, take a little season in review for the teams whose season are over, and that's the Bucks and the Suns, the last two teams standing. So we're going to hit the, the fantasy-relevant players, the big names here, and their outlook for next year. So we'll start with Milwaukee, Raph. You obviously have to start with Giannis, coming off an all-time great finals performance. 35 points per game, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.8 blocks. He shot 62% from the field, 66 from the free throw line on a massive 14 attempts per game. So the theme with Milwaukee, I think, and Phoenix becomes durability after that quick turnaround that we mentioned. Do you worry about the Bucks taking it easy during the upcoming regular season after this deep playoff run? And 
with that in mind, will you be prioritizing Giannis as a draft pick next season? And, and keep in mind, this is a guy who, despite his free throw woes that we always talk about, was still almost a top 15 fantasy guy this past season. Mm-hmm. I definitely am. Eight cat, he was a first rounder. You know, nine cat, as you notice, he was just, he was inside of the top 20. I think what we'll see from Milwaukee is similar to what we saw this season, where you know, they didn't prioritize being the top seed in the East. It was more about making sure that they were in a good rhythm going into the playoffs. And that may lead to the occasional rest night for a guy like Giannis, Chris Middleton, or Drew Holiday. But mm-hmm. I don't think we're looking at a Kawhi Leonard type, you know, situation with regard to those rest nights. Um, obviously, we don't know what the regular season schedule is going to look like in terms of back-to-backs. But there is some concern with them wanting to go back to 82 games and having a play-in tournament on a, on the normal NBA calendar. That being said, I have a hard time seeing guys like Giannis and, and Drew and, and Chris really wanting to be on that consistent play-slash-rest type, you know, alternate alternating schedule deal. So I'm definitely prioritizing Giannis in drafts this upcoming year. Drew Holiday, even for his inconsistency shooting-wise, was still a second-round caliber player mm-hmm. in nine-cap. So... I think both of those guys are really good. Chris Middleton was a top 50 player. Someone's going to take a hit between those three, but not to the point where you kind of say, I want to stay away from this guy in most drafts. The good news for Giannis, unlike his teammates, who we'll talk about a little bit more in a second, is we assume that aside from, you know, massive orders of chicken nuggets at Chick-fil-A that he's, he's streaming live on Instagram, <laughs> he's going to take it easy this offseason, right? Like we think we, yeah. he doesn't have the same hectic rigorous basketball schedule so he has time for that knee to heal he has time to rest up after that improbable performance in the finals coming Mm -hmm. off the knee injury so that's good news for him but as we spin it forward to chris middleton who was a top 40 fantasy guy in non-category leagues in the finals averaged 24 points per game six boards five dimes he was phenomenal he's headed to play for team usa in tokyo as is drew holiday now that's an additional possible fatigue escalator, if you'll allow that term for next season. Mm-hmm. Middleton approaching his thirtieth birthday. It sounds like you're saying you don't have any any concerns about Middleton though either, even with the rigorous summer. I don't. I think if you're in Milwaukee, you tell both of those guys as soon as they get back home, sit on the couch for a bit. You know, cold tub, hot tub, that type of stuff. Because <laughs> we know you guys are going to be ready when it comes time to actually perform. But you want to get them as much rest and recovery as possible. I think maybe this sets up for Giannis to be even better because, you know, a blessing in disguise was Greece not qualifying for the Olympics. So now he can just focus on recovery, um, the free throw shooting as well. I think he's been consistently in the 70s for most of his career. So I'm not too concerned about that. And I think he'll be motivated to improve that anyway. But, yeah, in terms of Chris and Drew, you're telling them to get as much rest as they can before training camp because it's not like they're going to just let everything go and show up at camp extremely out of shape. So, you know, they're professionals. I think they'll take care of their business, and I think they'll be fine personally. Did you say a minute ago, uh, just tell them to sit on the couch for a bit? It reminds me of gym teacher I used to have who anytime mm-hmm. someone would get hurt, his thing was put a wet paper towel on it. <laughs> that's that's what he would say yeah no matter the injury no matter the injury <laughs> i wouldn't go that far but yeah you definitely want those guys to just you know take some time to, to recover go on vacation or whatnot you know, yeah because going right back into the gym after you come off the, a long grueling season and the olympics that's kind of a recipe for one of those exhaustion type injuries like a hamstring or a groin that we've seen a lot of players have throughout the course of this past season 
You know, it's interesting. We we were so worried about LeBron coming off that deep run in the bubble and Jimmy Butler and those guys. Mm-hmm. It didn't really short-circuit their seasons. I mean, LeBron had the high ankle sprain, but that wasn't a wear and tear injury. Yeah. That was Solomon Hill rolling into his leg. So mm-hmm. I think to some extent it can be a little overrated. Maybe later in the season the wear and tear catches up to you. But but like you, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be scared away from drafting these guys in fantasy. Let's quickly talk about where you would take Milwaukee's big three. So we talk about Middleton, a top 40 guy. Holiday was basically 20th overall, I think, on Basketball Monsters, mm-hmm. nine-category leaderboard. He's the oldest of the big three at 31. So are you willing to, let's just go down the line here, are you willing to go top 25 pick on Drew in a fantasy league? I am, um, because of what he brings across the board. You know, In terms of the assists, the defensive numbers, Shoots relatively good percentages. I know we had some struggles during the playoffs, but I'm not too concerned about that. I'm definitely going top 25 on on holiday. Middleton's a safe top 50 pick. I think if you get closer Mm -hmm. to 50 and you can get him around there, that that turns him into almost of a steal with regard to what he can bring to the table. So, yeah, I think both of those guys, I'm drafting them pretty close to where they finish this season. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And now let's quickly on Giannis. I mean, he's a guy who we've seen go at the top of the first round in recent years. Mm-hmm. For me, given the free throw woes and given that I'm sending my team down a certain uh, tunnel or a certain road if I'm playing in, a, in an eight or nine category league, I would much rather get him in the late part of the first round. But I don't even know if that's possible. I don't think it will be. You know, as I mentioned earlier, for most of his career, he's been in the 70s free throw percentage wise. Yeah. So, I don't even think that's punt territory, so to speak. Right. And like we also mentioned, he's the one who's going to have not a full off season because of the shortened calendar, but he's the one who won't be going through a grueling tournament. So I would definitely, if you can get him at 10, I would question the sanity of some of the other fantasy managers ahead of you. That being said, I think I'm taking him. I wouldn't say like one, two or three, but once you get to like, like that five, six or seven, that's definitely where I'm thinking of grabbing him if I can get him. Yeah, I could see myself doing that too. I guess I was just trying to get a little greedy, Raph, but you rightly called me out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quickly, mm-hmm. the one other name on Milwaukee who clearly fantasy-relevant guy you consider is Brooke Lopez. Seems kind of perennially mm-hmm. overlooked in fantasy leagues, I would say. He dropped a yeah. little bit this year in terms of his ranking, 85th in nine-category leagues, but you still got one and a half blocks and 1.43s out of him this past season. He's 33 years old, many years left on his contract. I feel like where you're going to be drafting him, there's almost no risk, and it's a really easy way to get some blocks on your roster. Yeah, exactly. I think he's a top 100 player, uh, closer to that back end of the top 100. He's in a situation similar to Giannis, albeit not as high with regard to the offseason. So I think some of those guys, you know, we'll see what happens with Bobby Portis and his player option. P.J. Tucker's a free agent, but in terms of Brooke Lopez, I definitely think he's a guy that, that should go in, in pretty much every league, that any league, regardless of 8-cat or 9-cat, mm-hmm. just because of what he can bring to the table. The blocks, he wasn't much of a blocks guy earlier in his, in his career, if I'm not mistaken, but he will give you a good one, one and a half per game, and then the three-point shooting, That's I think that's a bonus for him. You just want that rebounding number to be up you know, around like high singles, maybe threatening 10 if you can get that, but that might be a bit greedy in my opinion. Yeah, now you you just got greedy. I got greedy a minute ago, and now you've yeah. gotten greedy. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's spin this forward to the Suns now. Their best fantasy player this past season, as improbable as it seems to say it, was the ageless Chris Paul, who played in, I believe, 70 out of 72 regular season games, was a top 20 fantasy guy at age 36, uh, just averaged nearly 22 points and eight dimes in the finals, despite dealing with what we think may have been multiple injuries. Raph, you like to remind us that Father Time is undefeated, but CP3 has been winning that battle pretty decisively in recent years. Now, at some point, it's all going to fall apart, right? It always does. But will you draft this man at age 36 in a fantasy league, and how far would he have to fall for that to happen for you? I mean, first and foremost, it depends on where he's playing next year. Um, he's yeah, got a player point. option, you know, a little over $44.2 million. At first glance, at 36, you're not going to turn that down that kind of money. That being said, at 36, this may be his last opportunity to get a multi-year deal. Does he turn that down and renegotiate a deal with the Suns? Does he turn it down and go somewhere else? I think that's the big question here. You said top 20. There's no way I'd touch him that high. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking top 50, maybe, you know, but, but the shortened off season, his age, and he's had prior injury issues, that's a concern. I think if I can get him at 50 or a little bit after that, I'm happy, but I'm, I would be willing to let someone else take that risk if we're talking third or fourth round personally. Yeah, I'm going to have a hard time passing if it comes to that point because you are looking at a guy who yeah. could easily defy the odds again and have another, another mm-hmm. top 20 season or two left. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. He's been doing it for as long as many of us can remember. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, imagine having so much success in your life that you can be like, maybe I should turn down that $44 million this year and, <laughs> and get a better deal. Yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> that, is, that is wild stuff. So the other guy near the top of this Suns conversation, but in a very different situation, is Devin Booker. Drafted as a mm-hmm. borderline first rounder in a lot of fantasy leagues this past winter, I guess. Uh, but in nine category yeah. leagues, Raph, he was a letdown. I don't think there's any other way to put it. 75th on the Basketball Monster, nine-category leaderboard, had some huge moments in the playoffs, no denying that, but his overall numbers for the playoffs, 27 points per game, five and a half boards, four and a half dimes, 0.8 steals, two threes, and that's a little better than the regular season numbers, but it's still the same blueprint that had him coming up short of what we wanted, especially in terms of steals and the dimes, and I think the dimes come down to what you mentioned before, is Chris Paul in Phoenix? And I think you and I have maybe mm-hmm. even had this conversation before. I can't remember whether it's Ryan or you, but someone brought it up. I mean, if Chris Paul's gone, you're drafting Devin Booker entirely differently yeah. uh, this upcoming season. Do you agree? Uh, definitely, because he'll have the ball in his hands a lot more in terms of a primary playmaker role. And it's not like they're going to tell him to stop scoring. So, no. you know, you, you're in that situation. I think you, you would be well within your rights to roll the dice on him extremely early. Um, the other variable in this is Cameron Payne. You know, he'll be a free agent. I think he earned himself a considerable amount of money that, during, with his playoff performance. So you lose both of those guys and you get considerably younger at the point guard position. You're going to trust Devin Booker a lot more to be a setup guy in addition to giving you the offense. So yeah, I know he was a bit of a letdown in, during the regular season fantasy-wise. That being said, when you're playing with a ball-dominant guard like Chris Paul, those assist numbers are only going to go down, especially when he stays healthy like he did. So, yeah, I think the Chris Paul factor is the biggest variable for everyone on this Suns roster. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And I and I do think Booker's ADP is probably not going to adjust that much. I can't imagine him going yeah. into like a free fall. People are really just high on the guy as a player, rightfully so. And mm-hmm. I think he's a guy who might seem like he's getting overdrafted. But if the roster changes, like we said, it may be just the right mm-hmm. spot to draft him. I'm not taking him inside the top 25 personally. I'm going to let someone else do that. For me, he would fall into that more into that Middleton range, honestly, 40 to 50. I guess mm-hmm. if Chris Paul's gone, I'll reevaluate that. But for now, I'm yeah. going to pretend like Chris Paul is going to be back in Phoenix, and I'm going to approach Booker mm-hmm. with caution. I just want to bring up one number. Ryan looked this up. He couldn't be here today, but he went on NBA.com, and we were talking about how much did Booker pass in some of those games when he was really in hyper-scoring mode. Mm-hmm. So here are his passes by game through game six. Game one, 32. That's not quite a pass per minute, but you get it. Game two, 37. Game three, 23. So we're dropping. Game four, 17 passes. Game five, 19 (laughs) passes. And he's up to 29 in game six. So those two games, game four and five, where he scored 40 plus and they lost, Mm -hmm. he passed 17 and 19 times. And as Ryan puts it, in game four and five, he averaged below one pass every two minutes despite touching it basically every possession. I mean, it went too far, Raph. The numbers bear it out. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But again, I, I think part of what we have to consider there, this is a guy in his first NBA final. So yeah. I think sometimes you're probably thinking, I'm going to try to go it alone, put the team on my back because I'm the franchise guy, and that can backfire on you at times. I think the experience that he was able to pick up in this postseason run is only going to help him moving forward. Yeah. So I I would expect him to pass the ball a bit more if he were in a situation where he had to be more, a little bit more of a setup guy for his teammates. And by the way, I thought he made some really nice passes in game six. Um, I remember Mm -hmm. a few. I remember one of Bridges missed dunk. That was a nice dish. He had another nice drive and dish along the baseline. There were were some nice looks. And I I just thought maybe in those couple of games, it just went to an extreme. And it it did not benefit the Mm -hmm. Suns. True. Well, it did and it didn't. You get my point. It, mm-hmm. It's not bad when a guy scores 40, but they got a little Booker-centric, yeah. in my opinion. So two other guys to talk about in Phoenix. Mikel Bridges had a breakout season of sorts. 13.5 points, four boards, around a steal, a block, and two threes per game. This put him right around top 40 in terms of fantasy, Raph. Now, he's almost 25. I don't personally think of him as a huge ceiling guy, a guy who's ever going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer or something. But he has improved his scoring every year in the league. And I think he could push for maybe 15, 14, 15 points per game as he improves. Not not a guy who's going to carry in points, but good across the board. What are your thoughts on Bridges as a fantasy option and a guy who you might have to take around number 40? I think at minimum, you know, he's a top 50 player, to be honest yeah. with you. Because of everything that he brings to the table, he's got a high floor. Um, yeah. You know, the ceiling, like you mentioned, it might not be a, like on the par of, a, say, of a Devin Booker, but I think he's got a good ceiling. As he continues to develop uh, and, and mature, I think his scoring will only get better, personally. I don't know if he'll be like a 25-point-per-game guy. Right. Because that's not really his game, I don't think. But I think he can get into high teens eventually, maybe as soon as next year. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into DeAndre Ayton in a bit as well. But both of those guys are extension eligible this summer. And if they don't get that, they'd be restricted free agents next summer. So contract year we've seen a lot of guys really perform well in contract years so who knows what's going to happen there but i think mikhail bridges for me is a top 50 player just because of what he brings across the board 
Yeah, DeAndre Ayton, I heard Adrian Wojnarowski say dur- before or during one of these playoff games that Ayton is going to get that max extension yeah. uh, once he's eligible okay. along with Luca and Trey Young. But let's let's move to Ayton now. His fantasy value has been the subject of much debate on this show. He was 44th overall on a nine-category basis during the regular season. That's good, but it's not good enough for where a lot of us drafted him. His playoff run, which was very good in real life, included around 16 points, 12 rebounds per game, 0.8 steals, 1.1 blocks. That's a slight upgrade on his regular season numbers. But for me, and I want to hear what you have to say, I still think he's a guy I'm passing on until, I don't know, the third or fourth round. And if someone else wants to gamble on that massive Aiden ceiling season, I'm going to miss out on it this year because I have drafted him in the past couple years in the 20s. And it's backfired on me. It's kind of wrecked my team, especially in the 30-team league, where yeah. he was my first pick yeah. two years in a row. Okay. Yeah. Um, third or fourth round sounds about right for him. I think that one area where he got better this season was understanding that your touches can't dictate the rest of your game. And I mm-hmm. think that was an issue for him earlier in his career. But that's kind of where the Chris Paul factor came in and kind of helped him out, you know, right. giving him that that knowledge to understand that you can impact the game in ways other than scoring. So, and he was able to do that. We saw that in the playoffs in terms of the rebounds and the blocks. I think that'll carry over into next season, but I wouldn't blame anyone who decides that they don't want to gamble on that taking place in the second round, especially if you're in the deeper league. Right. I mean, he's solid, no question, but He's mm-hmm. he's not shown that he's you know necessarily going to be a two block per game guy. I think he was one point two during the yeah. regular season this year, one point one in the playoffs. He's more of a positional defender, yeah, than he is a, a rim protector, and I think that's always been the case for him, even back in college. So yeah, yeah, and so I mean, Chris Paul leaving. I guess you could argue it both ways. If Chris Paul left. Maybe they they funnel more offense through Aiton, but we saw it in the playoffs. Those two guys mm-hmm. had a fantastic pick-and-roll connection, and Chris Paul is getting eight and easy buckets. Yeah. So I might be a net neutral if Chris Paul's gone for him, ultimately. I think that's fair to say. And we also would need to see that what that point guard position will look like overall. Yeah. You know, who's, who's he going to be working with in a two-man game? What type of chemistry are they going to be able to establish? Yeah, so really when it comes down to these two teams that were in the finals, it's pretty easy to project Milwaukee and run it back mode. And yeah. the Suns, we don't know yet. And Chris Paul is the big piece exactly. that could mm-hmm. change everything. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Okay, yeah. a few more headlines to talk about in a second, but first, just want to say the one night when the whole world comes together, the world's biggest show on the world's biggest stage, you can watch the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics tonight. That's Friday at 7.30 Eastern on NBC. So, Raph, a few other headlines to hear before we get out of here. Uh, via The Athletic, Steve Kerr provided an update on Clay Thompson. We'll take this as what it is. It, it's nothing too thrilling, but the offseason has been productive in terms of Clay now breaking through, Kerr said. He's on the court. He's running. He's feeling really good. I talked to him last week. He's just in a completely different mindset. The light is at the end of the tunnel. Okay. Kind of classic coach talk there. But I just yeah. wanted to use this as an excuse to talk about Clay Thompson because we haven't discussed him in a while. It's kind of wild to think about. It's been more than two calendar years since this guy played in an NBA game. June 13th, 2019, when he tore that ACL in the NBA Finals. 31 years old now, Raph. And during that last full season he played, we saw him average 21.5 points, around four boards, two and a half dimes, a steal, 0.6 blocks, 3.13s. For me, when I look at those numbers, I think about a guy who has missed two years, is probably going to have his minutes and games played managed, I would imagine. And the stat mm -hmm. line is good, but nothing you can't replace elsewhere. I think you can probably yeah. count me out on on drafting Clay Thompson, a guy who's still probably going to go relatively early in drafts. Where do you land on this one? Yeah, that, that's where I stand as well. I'll let someone else take that gamble. Yeah, you, know, you certainly hope that he comes back and, and looks like he hasn't missed a step. But like you mentioned, he's been he's going to be out for more than two calendar years when next season starts, mm -hmm. and there's going to be a rust factor to deal with. And there's also going to be the load management factor because, you know, with, with the Warriors, their goal is June. It's not to look good in October and November, right. which is certainly understandable. So I don't see them rushing him out in any way, shape or form. I think his, his minutes and his games will be managed, you know, rather strictly, at least early on to make sure that He's at his best when the games mean the most. So, yeah, I would not touch him personally in, in most leagues. All right, yeah, we're on the same page there. Meanwhile, Norm Powell of the Blazers, according to Yahoo's Chris Haynes, has declined his $11.6 player option, becoming an unrestricted yeah. free agent. So Powell hits the open market at age 28. Uh, his numbers took a slight hit after he moved from Toronto to Portland. Mainly his points dropped from 19.6 to 17. His threes dropped from 2.8 to 2.0. He was still playable either way in fantasy as a points, yeah. threes, and steals guy. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this move overall? And, I mean, do you think Powell might end up back in Portland? Have you given any thoughts to another possible ideal landing spot for him next season? Um, New York. <laughs> it's that's funny. I thought, uh, I thought of that. I thought of that. <laughs> that's one. Um I think it's been reported that he's hoping for about $20 million per year or somewhere close to that. Okay. Which is certainly fair, you know, given the way that he's progressed. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, his numbers took a hit in Portland, but you're playing next to two ball-dominant guards and Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. That's bound to happen. Yeah. So he's another guy where the landing spot is going to be key. He can definitely still be productive if he were to return to Portland, but for those looking to draft him in fantasy – you would much rather him go to a spot where he would be closer to a marquee option offensively. Whether or not he can shoulder that load, we'll see, because he really hasn't been put in that position. Be it, you know, He had his moments in Toronto, but that was due to injuries to other players more than anything. So I think if he can get into a spot where he's clearly a focal point in the game plan, that would do wonders for his fantasy value. You're a Knicks guy. Is, am I right that Reggie Bullock is a free agent? 
He is. Um, he stands to uh, command. He's got a pretty decent market out there already, yeah. depending on based upon reports. But I'm sure the Knicks would want to have him back. That being said, he, he's a points and threes guy, and the points can be a bit iffy. Right. You know, so, I no, I was just thinking yeah, about it. I mean, Norman Powell would be enough. Well, yeah. I, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I mean, twenty million yeah. strikes me as ah. Do you really want to tie that money up on Norm Powell? But in terms of real life for the Knicks, I do think that would yeah. be a nice upgrade yeah. for him. Him in the Reggie Bullock role, mm-hmm. I think, would be a nice upgrade. A guy who is a little more explosive going to the rim, et cetera, and can still you know mm-hmm. knock down corner threes. Exactly, and they'd still have R.J. Barrett on a rookie deal, so it's not like that would take too much out of their cap. So, yeah, I, I really expect the Knicks to be in the running for that. I know I, I've heard Kelly Oubre Jr. as well, but if I'm New York, I would much rather have Norman Powell than Kelly Oubre. Okay, finally, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Hawks big man on Yeko Okongwu had surgery for a torn labrum in his right shoulder, will miss about six months. Uh, that would keep him out until January of this upcoming season, so pretty significant injury, <laughs> and now, if you watch the Hawks during the postseason, you know that Okongwu really actually made some strides and became a factor in the rotation off the bench. Now, not necessarily a guy who would have been ticketed for standalone fantasy value, but I bring this up because I'm curious whether his status, if at all, could affect that of restricted free agent John Collins, because will the Hawks, and this is just me speculating, be more likely to keep Collins knowing that they're missing a crucial piece in their front court, which is what Okongwu is and was going to be for half of this upcoming season, a season where the Hawks are hoping to, you know, cement their status as contenders. That might be too speculative by me, Raph. What do you what do you think when you hear that? Like, do, yeah. do you imagine how that could affect the Collins status or do you think that's a reach? I think it's kind of a reach yeah, because fair. I would assume that Colin, they would want Collins back regardless of what happened with the Collins. That type of value you don't just replace with one guy. So maybe it'll impact just how much they're willing to pay in terms of matching an offer sheet. Mm-hmm. But I I think Collins is in for a big payday and I, I kind of expect him to be back with the Hawks because it you go as far as they did with that nucleus. I don't think you, you run the risk of losing a piece as valuable as Collins right now. I think you take another shot at it. I hope you're right. I love Collins. And it is a, it is a tricky yeah. situation because I think the max for him, as I, I read on The Athletic this morning, would be four years, $125 million. Yeah, You don't really want to pay him that much. I'd love to see him agree on four mm-hmm. for 100 or something like that. That would be, I think, the best of both worlds yeah. for both. Well, not for Collins, but that would be best for the Hawks. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. I do hope he's back. And uh, I think that brings us to the end of the road on this particular episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We will be back on Monday to talk NBA draft ahead of Thursday's big night in the NBA and more. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Raph, thank you to you, sir. Enjoy the weekend. Do the same. All right. See you, everyone. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.